you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome into the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve White with you. It's a Monday, but I think the Dolphins are still scoring, Steve. we got a packed show for you today. We have Leslie Frazier, the former defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, breaking down what happened to Vance Joseph and them Denver Broncos defense. Also, Omar Ruiz, Tom Pelissero, Jeff Chadia is with us every Monday. we got a lot, Steve, and we still didn't even mention that there's a lot going on in Kansas City right now. Yeah, and, and that's not even on the field, JP. I mean, look, every cutaway no. shot, every cutaway shot before they actually cut away from the game was of Taylor Swift. Oh, and Travis Kelsey. That's right. He, look, he's with Mama Kelsey. So I guess the rumors are true. He introduced her to Mama, or at least somebody did, up in the suite. But, you know, I know the conversation is of Taylor and of Trav. But, JP, here's my take on this. Okay? And I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but. Oh. Okay. This is Patrick Grassy Mahomes being the ultimate here. wingman. And not with the fact that he got Travis five of his seven catches in the first half to get Taylor up in arms like she was. But remember Patrick Mahomes was on a little show this summer called uh, Quarterback, a little Netflix series that was really, really good. Yep. Well, I think mm -hmm. he's going to now share an, e an executive producer credit with Peyton Manning, and they're going to do a spinoff called Tight End. right? And Travis Kelsey Ooh. is going to be in it. And Taylor Swift is there to get everybody in, not just the football fans. I mean, am I, am I off base here? Do you like my theory No. that they're working on this? I, I like this. I think this is what's, what's really I, in play. I like the conspiracy theory because also I'm not sure how you introduce a woman to your mother within the first week or two of dating her. I, we don't know that. We don't know that. That's early. We don't know that. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Listen, before we move on, I'll also say Kansas City is a hot spot for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I, I'm just happy that a new airport's Ooh. been built. <laughs> because I can, can you imagine someone being being stranded that long? I've spent some time at the old KCI airport, you know, just fighting for a cold flatbread at Off the Vine or or some uh, stuff out of the vending machine. But that's neither here nor there, Steve. Luckily, they built that new beautiful spot there in Kansas City. And one of the guys who used to play in Kansas City, his name's Tyreek Hill, said yeah. a lot of things this, you know, a couple off seasons when he went to Miami, Steve, if you remember. Yeah. Maybe we should be remembering what Tyreek Hill was saying about his quarterback, Tua Tungabailoa, how accurate he was, how much he thought of his new quarterback, because they put up 70 points on 70. Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. That's a 7-0, most points since 1966. Could have easily broken the points and the yardage marks, but really let off the gas. Um, what's your initial take on Miami? Because we will, with Leslie Frazier, get to the Broncos side of things in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, this is stunning, right? 70 points in mm -hmm. an NFL game, which spells a lot of things like your offense is, is, is running efficiently. Um, you're just totally dominating a team. It also may question the effort of the opposing team. Now, we're just showing a play right here, the shovel pass, where Tua fakes it left-handed, no looks at right-handed. What people don't know is a the only, no thing Tua, shovel pass. only thing Tua does left-handed is throw. Everything else he does is right-handed, so that was kind of natural to him right there. But let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. what, if I'm Mike McDaniel heading into next week's game with Buffalo, here's what I would do with this game tape that was just absolute perfection. I would put it in the archives and not let my team think that they're any Thing interesting special going into Buffalo because you might say look our offense is so great we're flying look at how we we ran all of these great plays you know outside and things are working in the run game where Devon a chain and Raheem Mostert they combined for eight touchdowns in the run and pass game I would stash that and say look the week before we had problems scoring against the New England Patriots who are in a division they only gave us 24 and we had to work for those Buffalo is going to be the same way so as good as we may feel about hanging a record 70 points, good gosh, on the Broncos, I'd put it away for now and save that for the postseason highlight tape. 
Aren't you a buzzkill? Like, what did That's you do? Did bad. you ever celebrate any of your three sons' accomplishments <laughs> in any athletics, or did you just always go, "Well, you know, you could have done better." Come on, see, listen. I, what I what I do look at this tape, and I look at what happened in watching almost all of this game on Sunday, is we are seeing a really, really good marriage between one of the most dynamic and innovative play callers out yep. there in Mike McDaniel and a quarterback that is able to operate it the way he wants it to be operated. What we're seeing is the ball's out extremely quick. And the reason I bring that up, Steve, is what Mike McDaniel does is he puts all of these guys in positions to... <sighs> Do what? Make sure they play to their strengths, and he hides their deficiencies. I think that's the part that maybe stands out to me the most is when maybe their biggest weakness as an offense is pass protection, is protecting Tua, what happens? We have a bunch of guys that get open extremely quickly, and the ball's out of his hand extremely quickly. Don't quote me on these numbers, but I believe this season Trevor Lawrence is the only one that's gotten the football out faster than Tua has this season. So I think the other part, Steve, that jumps out at me is they just kind of have started this marriage with one another. This is their second season together, and we're three games in, and it looks like they can almost do anything because of the weapons that Tua has around him and the balance that they have. All right, but JP, we can say that they can do almost anything. We know they played well against the Chargers in the opener, but again, think mm -hmm. back to New England. They had to fight for all 24 okay. of those and that, points. And that was a good game plan. And I would think Buffalo would do something similar to that. Take away the middle of the field. Take away Tyreek. We know what the, th the routes Tua likes to, likes to go towards, right? You would think that's similar to what Buffalo's going to go do. Who took the ball away a bunch in Correct. their game on Sunday? Correct. So, again, that's what I'm saying. And, by the way, there are no participation trophies in the White household. You have to earn them. So I knew my it. Kids got, they would have gotten a blue ribbon for 70 points, but it's only week three. You don't win championships in September. But, yes, I would say – you know, well done by the Dolphins, but save it for those reasons. There are no Lombardi trophies handed out in September. Interesting. You got anything left on this? Other than no. we still don't know how to pronounce A-Chain's name? It's A-Chain. Andrew Siciliano and I were on a, a draft show, and Andrew asked him how to pronounce it, and he said A-Chain. I know Peter King in the confidence he said it's A-Chan, but maybe he's Now the team is coming out saying it's A-Chan. Well, I mean, maybe he's feeling froggy. But now the team is coming out. I, okay. All right. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Let, let, let's move on to uh, a surprise team getting a W in overtime, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the Indianapolis Colts. And that leads a, an entire discussion right here, JP, about three first-year coaches getting dubs, all upset dubs. And you look at the Indianapolis Colts in this game. And remember last week, the last two shows we did, boy, were we jock riding the Baltimore Ravens and how great their Big offense time. was. And everything I'm not entirely doing, off it yet. Yeah, I mean, but look, no, I'm not off. It's one game. But the fact that Shane Steichen has got so many things going. One, this defense is playing a lot better than I think anybody expected him to play. Right? So they went there and they really put the clamps down on this high-flying offense that we were talking about was going to be so great. Yes, weather factored into it. But Gardner Minshew also. This is the second straight win by the Colts. He comes in when Anthony Richardson, who's played well, got hurt last week, led them to victory. And then he comes in here and moves the ball efficiently down the field and doesn't turn it over on a day like this. This is very important. So the Colts, they're a team in this division that we did not see right now getting off to this type of start, JP. So props to Shane, Shane Steichen and what he's doing in his first year in Indy. I think he deserves a ton of credit for what he's doing. Look at what he had to deal with before they even played a game. What did Chris yeah. Ballard, their general manager, say, Steve? It sucks. It all sucks. It sucks from every angle. Chris Ballard couldn't stop saying sucks in the press conference with what Shane Steichen had to deal with, with Jonathan Taylor. And it's not like, you know, it was just a distraction from that standpoint. It's your best player on your team that he's still coaching without right now and has been the distraction. They can get Jonathan Taylor back after week four to add to this offense that rushed for 139 yards against the Ravens last you know, on Sunday. You could add Jonathan Taylor to this group. And I think the job that he's done with Anthony Richardson so far. Now, the issue is he hasn't finished the two games that he started and didn't play in this game because of the concussion protocol. But I think you and I could both agree that how few games he played at the collegiate level, yep. he looked beyond comfortable out there. And that a lot has to do with how he was set up to succeed by Shane Steichen. I think Shane's done a tremendous job. They're leading the division. Now, the other that? team... 
that has a first-year head coach in D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans. D'Amico got his first win, Steve, over another AFC South team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll Uh-oh. get to Doug Peterson's yeah. Jaguars. But what do you think about D'Amico and his first win and what we've seen out of Houston? Well, I mean, look, a huge upset, 37-17. But what was so great about this win um, was it was a, a complete team win, right? You have yes. Will Anderson blocking a field goal. You've got your fullback mm-hmm. taking 85-yard kickoff. 85 yards? To the house. It took him about 17 seconds, right? But it was the most beautiful fast-motion, slow-motion kickoff return ever to do that. Mm-hmm. And then C.J. Stroud comes out and plays really well. A road game, plays really good circumstances. And I want to get this over to you because, you know, we know last week Brian Robinson, the running back for the Washington Commanders, came here and made you feel bad about Ohio State. But C.J. Stroud came in here off the big Buckeye victory over Notre Dame and has a fantastic game. And it's not just a fantastic game, J.P. C.J. Stroud has played pretty well in his first three starts to go with that. Pretty well. This is one of the best starts we've ever seen from a quarterback in their first three NFL starts. He's got over 900 yards. I think that's third all-time through a player's first three games. He hasn't thrown an interception yet, which is wrong. I think he's got four touchdowns. And also, real quick, back to the Buckeyes. You know who he talked to after this win on the phone from the locker room? Who's Ryan that? Day, head coach of the Buckeyes. Him and Ryan were chatting on the phone a little bit while he was still in the locker room after this after this win. And, and I talked to some people down in Houston Monday morning, and the two things that jump out at me most, Steve, is this. With D'Amico Ryans, they, they don't obviously realize that, that this thing is like off and running. We're going to get 10 wins. But the foundation that they're laying, and that's what you're mentioning with complementary football, doing things from every aspect of the three phases of football. They do feel like players are buying in. I think that's huge, even after an 0-2 start. But the stuff about Stroud that I was told was just, you know, already for coaches to say, Steve, that he gives us a chance in every game, and this is his third game. What jumps out to D'Amico Ryans the most is that he gets better every week. He corrects his mistakes extremely quickly. He told Albert Breer of, of SI, our good buddy, fellow Buckeye, no big deal, um, that he really, nobody on the team studies harder than he does. He puts in more work studying than anybody else. And I think what we've seen from Stroud that stands out to me the most before we get to Jacksonville, my last point on this is he has already understood the importance of limiting negative plays. And I think that's extremely big for a young quarterback to understand early is that if I don't hurt my team, negative plays can come back to bite us very quickly. And he hasn't thrown a pick yet. He's already learned behind a shoddy offensive line how to get rid of the football. The growth in that aspect, even with the run game not being what they thought it would be so far early on, him learning those those things early on, he's growing by leaps and bounds. It's been wild. Yeah, you know, but I'm not surprised as a Buckeye. No, uh, I'm, I'm sure you aren't. Brian Robinson sends his, his best regards as well. So does Lou Holtz. <laughs> they got a but, W. But yeah. look, <laughs> let's, go, let's go to the two teams that we thought were going to be leading this division at this point. Tennessee, they get held under 100 yards of offense by the Browns this week. But the Jaguars, right, they were the team. And, and, and look, they're no, nobody's out of it in this division. But we thought they no, would have no, 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 no. a little mojo, right? Calvin Ridley coming in, Trevor Lawrence, some of the moves that they made to further bolster their team. JP, they are not playing good defensive football right now. And offensively, they still seem to have a lot of things to work through. In large part, the offensive line has not played well. They just seem a little disjointed. And Doug Peterson, yeah, Doug Peterson came out and said, hey, maybe they're just trying to live up to the hype too much. Yeah, reading your press clippings is not comments you want to come out of your head coach's mouth this early. I thought they would come out of the gates gangbuster, Steve, considering how they finished the regular season last year and how excited they were for the start of this season with the way that they played and coming so close and arrowhead in that postseason game. I'm curious with everything Doug Peterson said after the game and said on Monday in terms of there was a lack of effort at times, that there was more energy coming from the Houston Texans, that they're getting beat in the trenches. You mentioned the offensive line. There's no pass rush there either. I mentioned the offensive line issues for the Texans. C.J. Stroud wasn't sacked once. And that, that, that's, that's on the defensive line, I think, more so of, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Before we, we get to break, my last point would be this, Steve, that I think maybe the trip to London might be best for them in two weeks. They're going to spend two weeks over there, play back-to-back games in London. If there's issues with distractions, reading press clippings, things like that, maybe going across the pond, as they say. Oh, you didn't do uh, it! You said it, dude! <laughs> Come on! 
Nobody over there likes that phrase. Nobody over there likes no, that phrase. Just to let, like let you either. hear that. Let you hear that. I'm going to ask Tom if he likes to use across the pond coming up. We got Tom Pelissero coming up after the break. He's going to give us a boatload of info. He was at the game between the Chargers and Vikings. He's got tons of things from that game. Also, Omar Ruiz was at that stunner where the Cowboys went down to the Cardinals. More of the NFL report coming up. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Back of the NFL Report, and James Palmer and I are now joined by Tom Pellicero, one-third of the Insiders, which you can catch daily on NFL Network and on NFL Plus. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. We know you got a busy day. Could you catch us up first off on some injuries? Saints quarterback Derek Carr, Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams. Let's start out with on Derek Carr, Steve, who Dennis Allen, the Saints head coach, just confirmed a short time ago is dealing with an AC joint sprain. Allen says that Carr is week to week. Also says they're not even going to rule him out for this week's game against the Buccaneers. As Allen put it, we dodged a bullet here that it wasn't something more significant. You can see him getting ragdolled to the ground there by Rashawn Gary against the Packers in Sunday's game. Carr ended up in a local hospital undergoing further evaluation. That often happens when you have an injury that potentially could lead to something being punctured or some type of an internal thing. He underwent tests. It was not that severe. Now it's going to be a matter of how quickly does he heal? How quickly does the pain, the swelling go away? That will guide where the Saints go at quarterback. If Carr can't go, then Jameis Winston would presumably be the next man up. The news not as good on Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams. He suffered a torn ACL in Sunday's win over the Vikings. The Chargers knew it was bad on the field, just looking at the mechanism of the injury. They weren't entirely certain until Williams underwent the MRI on Monday, but that confirmed it is a season-ending type of an injury for Mike Williams at a time that L.A. is going to be coming off of their first win of the season in thrilling fashion against the Vikings. Now, obviously, they still have the likes of Keenan Allen and Joshua Palmer. First-round pick Quentin Johnston now begins to come to the forefront here. Not entirely the exact same skill set as Mike Williams, but there have been some encouraging moments for Johnston so far during training camp. Now he's going to get his shot for real beginning this week. So, Tom, you were at this game, and that's why I kind of want to ask you this question. And it's in two parts, and you handle that two-parter brilliantly, so I think this is going to be a walk in the park for you. Like, J.C. Jackson is a healthy scratch, right? And you know what you're paying him as a corner. That's a, I think, just a microcosm of what's happened to this Chargers defense so far. The other part of it is we talk about Mike Williams going down, but we've seen Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert just kind of hit the ground running offensively in the way that they performed on that side of the ball. Tell me about that marriage offensively, but also if they just play okay defense, can the Chargers go on a run here? Well, first of all, James, I think it's important to note that the Chargers have been dealing with some injuries so far on defense. Joey Bosa, who's their star pass rusher, only played a very mm -hmm. limited number of snaps in week two. We played a little bit more in week three, but they don't have him entirely full go yet. Derwin James dropped out with an injury on Sunday. J.C. Jackson yep. not active because of non-injury related reasons. And their middle linebacker, Eric Kendricks, the former Viking, also not out there right now as he deals with a hamstring injury. So you've got a lot of moving parts. I thought that it was notable that when the Chargers went for it on that fourth and one, did not get it at their own 24-yard line, the L.A. defense was challenged mm -hmm. there. It was They were going to have to save the day for the offense. And sure enough, the backup to Eric Kendricks, Ben Neiman is the one who's got blanket coverage on the NFL's highest-paid tight end TJ Hawkinson knocks that ball into the air. Kenneth Murray comes up with an interception. It's not where anyone would like. They've had to adjust some things in terms of how they're playing schematically. They're a little bit different than mm -hmm. what historically for Brandon Staley coming out of that Vic Fangio type scheme is a shell defense. This year we've seen them play a lot more man 
cover one. So they've had yep. to make some adjustments based on who's on the field here. You saw them going with a different lineup at corner. They thought that that gave them the best chance to win. It was not entirely clean. Justin Jefferson seems like he's going to get 150 yards on everybody he faces. On anybody. They did not break <laughs> in the biggest moment in that game. And L.A. is able to come away with a win. As for Kellen Moore and that marriage with Justin Herbert, I think that it's been, you know, there have certainly been bumps like you would anticipate coming out of the gate. They did stay in Justin Herbert's language, which was a big deal. In other words, they didn't change all the terminology. Mm -hmm. They wanted him to have that level of consistency as he moved forward here. It's more vertical passing than he's done in the past. You saw some of those big plays. You saw Keenan Allen make a big play throwing the football down the field too. (laughs) Remember, they haven't had Austin Eckler (laughs) for these past two games because nope. of an ankle injury. Well, what happens when you don't have Austin Eckler? And no offense to Josh Kelly, you've got different backs in the backfield. Nobody's respecting the run. Yep. They're beginning to play to take away the pass here. And that didn't change a whole lot. You did, as Leslie Frazier uh, mentioned, have a lot more blitzes that the Vikings were trying to throw at Justin Herbert. They still were able to get those explosives. And I don't know how old Keenan Allen is at this point. He's like 34. He still looks like he's absolutely <laughs> yeah. in his prime and had a monster day against the Vikings. He's 31. In the words of Brandon Staley, he still has his stinger. Tom, we got about 45 oh, sorry. seconds. Sorry, Quickly. Keenan, I added three years for you there. Uh, that's all right. Well, but we got about 45 seconds. The way here. he looks, I think you're accurate. Yep. Kirk Cousins, 0-3. I a lot of conversation about potential trade. Could the Vikings just dump him? Is that feasible? Like, why Why would they dump him right now? The season's not over to 0-3, but could he potentially be moved? Well, first of all, Kirk Cousins has a no-trade clause, so he would have to approve any deal. And if you're Cousins and you're trying to get to one more big-time payday, it's Kirk Cousins. Maybe he's got three more big paydays, but at least one more <laughs> come March. Going to a new team that maybe isn't the best situation, not having the familiarity, there's some potential dangers in that the Vikings also even though they're 0-3 here I have not gotten any sense that they look at this and say we got to tear it down trade everybody and start over they've been challenged out of the gate they've played a bunch of close games they won all those close games last year this year all one possession games all losses but you don't go out and trade for Cam Akers you don't go and uh, sign Dalton Reisner two moves they made last week if you're not anticipating we still could be competitive right now in 2023. Maybe we're having a different conversation as we get closer to the trade deadline here, but right now, guys, I would not say that that is the focus for the Vikings here. They're still trying to figure out, okay, what's our path forward to be competing in the NFC North, where at this point, two games back, but a long way to go. Tom P., thank you I so can't much believe, for that Tom, clarity. I, real quick, I, Tom, I can't believe that you would undersell Kirk Cousins like that and say he only has three more paydays left. I mean, I can't believe you would disrespect Kirk. He's like had that. fully the guaranteed leader. money. He only has since, three more paydays. I left. think 2015. <laughs> so he's on year nine consecutively of having fully guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's going to be an interesting oh, quarterback year because you've got Ryan Tannehill is also a pending free agent. You've got uncertain futures from yeah. a bunch of guys right now who are currently under contract with teams. Maybe there are trades that happen in the off season. Also, it's a quarterback class in the draft that is considered to be really, really good. It's going to be fascinating. Thank goodness we're still like six months away from that, but it's not that far away. Yeah. Can't, I know you're can't thinking wait. about it. And can't wait for that. It it's going to be good. Tom P., thank you so much for joining us, brother. Get some rest. All right, and in the biggest upset of the weekend in the desert, the Arizona Cardinals spring for an upset of the Dallas Cowboys, who everybody thought were going to go 17-0. and But Arizona, 0-2 start, but very competitive in each of those games. Mm-hmm. See Josh Dobbs, a quarterback, come here and lead the upset. So let's bring in our Omar Ruiz, who was at that game. Omar, you went into the Cardinals locker room after that game. What was it like? Because this is a team everyone said, oh, they're going to be drafting the first overall pick next year. They're going to absolutely stink. But they have Caleb been Williams every game, in every game this year, and then they <laughs> upset the Cowboys. Yeah, well, they have a, a locker room full of confidence. This is a team that feels they should be 3-0. and And all that stuff about thinking the Cardinals are going to be the first pick in the draft and all the naysayers, they've heard of all that, not necessarily through media reports, but but Kayvon Wallace and Kaiser White both said that their family members have been texting them about how badly the Cowboys were going to beat them, and they were looking forward to getting back at their family members. So it's a team uh, with growing confidence that never stopped believing in themselves, even in those uh, deficient games against Washington and against the New York Giants. So for them to capitalize uh, on the Dallas Cowboys at home was a big for them. 
Omar, I'm curious what, what the take is being there and in the locker room with, with players talking about their, their head coach, Jonathan Gannon, in his first season as a head coach. To me, talking to people in Arizona Monday morning, it was this. We might have blown leads in the second half of both of our you know first two games, but what does it show us in the first half when our team came out what it appears to be prepared probably not as talented as most of the teams in the NFL, let's just be entirely honest, and they're smart, make good decisions to get those double-digit leads early. Something's going right early in these games, and the people in Arizona I talk to point to, that's, that's coaching, right? That's preparing your players during the week in the early portion of the games. Maybe we have to learn how to win as part of that. What's the take with this team and Jonathan Gannon, because to me, this is maybe, Steve, in all honesty, looking at all three of their games, one of the bigger surprises of a team coming out and playing as well as Arizona has with the talent that they have. Well, I think the complete buy-in for Jonathan Gannon has been there, and that's something that I've seen since OTAs, all through minicamp, training camp, and now the regular season. And it's interesting to point out the fact that they've outscored their opponents 54-20, to in the first half of the season so to your point they're coming out prepared they have a solid game plan and you figured they've had a good they would have a good game plan against dallas specifically on defense given jonathan gannon and nick rallis the cardinals defensive coordinators history in the nfc east with the philadelphia eagles and i asked jonathan gannon after the game what tangible lessons maybe they learned from those first two losses because of course they kept saying that they have to finish and they have to change how they finish games but what tangibly might have they worked to, to, to more diligently to, to finish this. And, and he said, uh, you know, if they're going to allow teams to go down the field of them, don't allow them to go quickly. In other words, limit the explosive plays. And that's something they did against the Dallas Cowboys. And then to buckle up in the red zone. And we saw Dallas go one for five in the red area. Kaiser White, that big interception on Dak Prescott to essentially seal the game. And what was interesting is White said in that play call throughout the week at practice, he kept messing it up. But obviously, uh, in the game, did not mess it up when it mattered most. And he said he, he was on point the entire game, even though he struggled with it uh, during the week. But yeah, this is a team that's bought in. And I asked Gannon also, did you need this win you know, to validate everything for the foundation you guys are laying? And, and he said, no, you know, what, what they do uh, on a daily basis, you know, they believe in, they're process-driven, not necessarily results-driven. That's something he's been preaching the entire offseason, but certainly feels good to get that win and and something that uh, you know they don't necessarily feel validated by but understand it's a results uh, driven league Jonathan Gannon getting a W in coach speak according to Omar yeah right there hey oh we appreciate <laughs> you I tell you what with the way Josh Dobbs is playing right now too I think that mm -hmm. is something we need to keep watching because he's playing at a starting quarterback level Omar Ruiz we appreciate you joining us here on the block and coming up JP we are going to get some insight from one of the best defensive coaches in the NFL past few decades. Yeah. He's got some ideas ooh, on that Broncos defense who had no D in it on Sunday against the Dolphins here on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'll be brief. Obviously, uh, that was embarrassing and uh, tough to watch. Aside from the kick return, there, there weren't a lot of positives to take from that game. I know that you said it's embarrassing, but this is kind of an historic game. I'm, I'm aware. Third time the team has scored 70 points over 700. What's the question? I mean, what's the question? How do you feel about it being I just finished telling you. Historically embarrassing. Next question. That's Broncos coach Sean Payton hitting Ooh. our porter with the next question. And James Palmer, yeah. we are now joined by former NFL head coach, former longtime defensive coordinator, and class of Let's 2023 go. Black College Football Hall of Famer, 
Leslie Frazier, who's now a member of our NFL Network crew. Les, good seeing you. Good, good to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. So, Les, we're starting yeah. right there. Starting right there. 70 stacks, yeah. right? They got yeah. 70 points hung on them. From what you saw in that game, we know the Dolphins, is, Dolphins offense is explosive. But what is going on with that Broncos defense to get abused like it did? Yeah, well, first thing, Steve, you know, just seeing that tone by, by Sean in that press conference, that gives you an idea of probably what everyone is supposed in that locker room as well. I mean, as a coordinator in this league on defense, no one wants to experience what those guys experienced yesterday. And, yeah, there are going to be some humbling moments uh, during your season, if you're in this league long enough, uh, but to experience what they did yesterday, it just, uh, I mean, Sean said it, 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 it was embarrassing in so many ways, uh, but it happens in this league. Uh, but what I saw was at times the tackling wasn't what you'd want it to be, obviously. Uh, there are some things mm-hmm. they can do better schematically, and I know Vance Joseph. He's a really good football coach, good guy, and he's going to work as hard as he can to get things turned around I know that meeting today with the players is a tough one, but you, you can see even on the clip that you're showing, the tackling, man, it just showed up over and over and over again. Uh, nobody could find a way to, to make a play. And at some point, you know, you want to try to stop the bleeding. Someone has to stand up and make a play. And that just, just didn't happen uh, in that ball game yesterday. So you really want to go back to the fundamentals and the technique that's necessary to help you to improve. And then you got to go back and say, what about our scheme? You know, what are we going to have to do schematically to get this fixed? And they've got some issues. Uh, that's obvious based on what happened uh, this past weekend. Then even a week before uh, when Washington was able to come back in the second half. I mean, uh, so uh, there are some things that have to be worked out, uh, and they've got a lot of work ahead of them. But uh, that was that was tough to watch for everyone. You're exactly right, Leslie. When you give up over 350 yards running and over 350 yards passing, yeah. the balance of the beatdown almost hurts even even worse. Let's move, push this forward to, to some other, because I want to pick your brain in, in terms of putting your coaching hat on here and Brandon Staley. And it is 151 remaining in the game. It is fourth and inches. They're up by four from their own 24. Now, analytics will tell you that this is what they should do. Go for it. Uh, I want to know from a coaching standpoint on the sideline, what would go through your mind, your staff? I kind of just want to get a feel for this whole moment and what you yeah. think w- would be your kind of your, your process. Yeah, well, from an operational standpoint, James, you, you, know, you, you probably have someone in your, your ear, one of your analytics guys, talking to you about the probability of success if you go for it. And you may have a coach on your staff, your assistant head coach, if you have one, or uh, one of your confidants who's telling you on the headset, hey coach, you know, we, they need a touchdown to win the game. Uh, we're, mm-hmm. They have no timeouts. If we punt, make them keep the ball inbounds, there's a very good chance we're gonna win this game on defense if we punt the football and make them have to go to the length mm-hmm. of the field. So you're hearing that, and you've got to be able to dissect that information and then make a decision. And, you know, Brandon made the decision to go for it. Uh, the, the analytics didn't work. And, you know, at, at, there are times where you, you need to override analytics and sometimes go based on mm. how your team is performing, uh, where you are in the ball game, and then make a decision as, as a head coach. And uh, but- in this case, he made a decision and it, and it Almost backfired. But let's see, okay, this is a question I've had because, you know, we know Brandon loves to do this stuff, play this analytics game, go for it yes. on fourth down. You talked about the situation of the game. They've got Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, and you just gave them 24 yards to get into the end zone. If not for some nincompoop behavior that they did, and when they got the ball back, they would have won that ball game. Mm-hmm. So is there anyone who could get in Brandon Staley's ear and say, do not do this, and do not run a fullback <laughs> dive over the right I was going to ask that. Play they play call. Did. Yeah, it wasn't a, a freaking spectacular play. Yeah, you know, I, I, personally, I, I don't I don't want to second-guess the play call. Yeah, you're right. You, you, the hindsight, you could say maybe they should have run a different play. 
Uh, but going forward in that situation is what I have a bigger problem with. Uh, not not so much the play calling. It's just you, mm-hmm. the, the defense was probably playing as better than they played in the first couple of weeks. Yes. So make Minnesota thankfully have to drive the field and and and, and make them have to make some plays. Uh, but you know they chose not to do that, and it, it almost cost them uh, to end up being zero and three. Fortunately, Minnesota doesn't spike the ball when they had an opportunity to to try to gather themselves, especially uh, with T.J. Hawkinson uh, being a little bit banged up, and mm-hmm. then Justin uh, suffering with cramps. Uh, so it, you know you you think they needed a blow, and that was an opportunity to get that done. And you saw the the, the comments by Kevin, and, and he really felt like. Uh, he should have spoken to uh, Kurt, uh, got word to him to go ahead and spike it uh, to get those guys a chance to get their breath. But they didn't, and they hurried up, uh, tried to make a play, and it and, and it cost them. Quickly, Leslie, should we, would you give Kurt Cousins a pass, saying waiting for his coach to spike it? He's been in this league a long time. He's done some great things. Sometimes a veteran quarterback's got to make a veteran quarterback play. Oh, yeah, I've been around some, some great quarterbacks uh, in those situations, Peyton Manning being one of them. Uh, I mean, you know, he's going to take control in that situation. I know that, that Kurt, you know, has uh, the confidence of the coaching staff to be able to spike that football in that situation. They work on it all the time in their two-minute drill and their hurry-up situations. So it would not have uh, put anybody out of sorts if he had chosen to spike it for whatever reason. Uh, he didn't in that moment, and that it ended up costing him a ball game. I feel like you could watch the tape of the end of that game lesson and just teach coaching uh, for hours and hours about about how it went down. Uh, I got one last one for you, and I know we got to be a little quicker with this. You wanted to talk about teams that can get to the quarterback with four pass yeah. rushers or four rushers or four-man rushes. Yeah. What is going to be the importance so I can watch that as a more educated fan this season that's going to change the way some of these defenses can compete down the stretch? Well, James, as you as you watch the league and you see how it, it's definitely a passing league, and Miami is obviously mm-hmm. a great example of that, and other teams as well that are doing a good job of throwing the ball around. If you have to rely on five and six man pressure to get after the quarterback, kind of like what Minnesota was trying to do yesterday, I think they blitzed uh, Justin, uh, uh, you know, four, fifty more than fifty percent of the time. And when you're doing that and you're not able to rush with four you put your secondary at peril, and now you run the risk of giving up explosives. And that's kind of been uh, the Chargers' problem throughout the season and other teams as well. But when you look at the Browns, you look at the Bills, uh, you look at even the Jets, uh, the Cowboys, teams that can rush with four, it Mm. gives you a better chance to be able to affect the quarterback and take the football away as well versus uh, trying to, you know, bring five or six and exposing your secondary. I love it. I love it. I love that we have your mind, Leslie, to have on this show because mine's all right. Steve's is better than mine, but yours is better than both of ours. So I appreciate it. We're going to have you back on, I I think, next week. Steve, let's have Leslie on just as many times as possible. We're we're going to keep keep him in here, man. We need the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. We need it, man. We need it. You got it. You got it, Leslie. Coming up on the NFL Report, we're going to talk to Jeff Chadia about one and only Brock Purdy. I think Brock deserves a little more credit. Yes, he does. I think Steve agrees. Let's break down Purdy coming up on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Week 5 has a big international matchup that can be watched exclusively on NFL+. Plus. It's the Bills and Jaguars at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London, October 8th at 9.30 Eastern Time. Sign up today at plus.nfl.com. And this is the NFL Report, which is available on Roku, Tubi, Pluto, and all of your other fast networks. And there's also the podcast. And you know what else where you can find out more information? Is on nfl.com slash first read. 
as we are joined by the author of First Read, and he has the First Read block, Jeff Chidea. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, JP, you know, Jeff lives in Kansas City. Yeah. And right now they're famous for a little bit more than the Chiefs and barbecue. Just a little yeah. bit. It's it's uh, it's Taylor Swift town now, basically. If she was at the game. <laughs> hey! With Travis Kelsey and Travis Kelsey's mom in a suite, about 300 people in there with her. I've never <laughs> seen that many people in one suite and that many black guys mm-hmm. wearing red outfits going nuts. Like, you know, it was a... Uh, it was definitely lit in Kansas City. In fact, they talk more about her being there than they do about the game right now. Well, they should have. The game was yeah. trash. They smoked them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. Well, yeah, it, it was over pretty fast. That, that, that probably got her more airtime, right? If the game was good, you wouldn't see, have seen her as much. There was like 30 shots of her in that contest. That's great. I heard Jeff was watching the game as a drinking game with the rest of his buddies, and every time they showed Taylor Swift... By the end, Jeff could barely write his article. That's what I heard. Yeah. Listen, Jeff, let, 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 let's talk about. Uh, hey, there she is. If, if you're uh, uh, you're missing this, if you're yeah, listening to the podcast, Taylor Swift and a bunch <laughs> oh, of guys, you're, you're going nuts. Everybody's going nuts. Donna Kelsey's actually rather reserved uh, as a whole. I, I, I'm curious, Jeff, because you you wrote about this in the article about the other side of the ball, not. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, but this Chiefs defense, we've all spent a lot of time around the Chiefs. September's usually when Steve Spagnuolo is getting hammered, right? Remember, was it a couple years ago, they were giving up more yards per play than any team in NFL history through like the first five or six games. This defense is different, and maybe as you put it, the best defense Mahomes has ever had? Well, I think it's not even close, and it's it's not even close really? because... You've got a lot more athleticism, a lot more speed, a lot more versatility. You know, in the past, you know, Spag's defense can be pretty complicated. He has all these different pressure packages and coverages that he likes to roll out. But this team has been together for a while now, this unit, and you're seeing some of that maturity, some of that experience, you know, pay off for them. They still have the hammer up front mm-hmm. with Chris Jones, but young guys like like Leo Chanel and George Karloftis and Mike Dana, even Felix Enaduke, Uzama, or Ricky are starting to make an impact. But really on the back end, where you've got, I think, adding Drew Tranquil yeah. from the Chargers yeah. is a big pickup for them. Yep. And then, obviously, you've got Legereus Sneed, you've got Trent McDuffie, two corners who are really good, really good in coverage, can blitz, do a lot of different stuff. They can throw a lot at you with this group. Jeff, do you think because Chris Jones wasn't there all, all – I'm sorry, James. That because Chris Jones yeah. wasn't there uh-huh. – that some of these other players were able to kind of step up and maybe learn, get some repetitions that have advanced or sped up, accelerated this process? I think two things happen, and James knows this from being around the Chiefs. I think Spags had to be a lot more flexible with the young guys. Mm-hmm. Even last year playing young guys was not him his MO, but he found a way to do it. So I think he learned a new – put a new trick into his bag. But then secondly, that first game when they did not have Chris Jones – he came out and talked about them playing as a unit, staying focused, staying together. And I think that's what they learned with that. If you play defense that way, you don't worry so much about all the splash plays and all the big highlight plays, that you can do a pretty good job. And that's what they've been doing. I say it all, all the time, James, that the best thing about this defense right now, they don't ask guys to do things they can't do. That's that's genius in that in that part of it. I'll make this point real quick. This is what I was going to say. I remember talking to safety Justin Reed during training camp, and he was like, you have no idea, because you mentioned the secondary, Jeff, no idea what camp has been like for me this year compared to last year when I was like, we're learning my parts and also teaching six other rookies their positions in the secondary. The secondary just has a better cohesion to it, Steve, because everybody's not just learning it for the first time, and you have safeties trying to get everybody where they need to go. That's a different part of this group we've seen, and obviously if they don't have to cover as long with Chris Jones on the field, that helps you out too. That's right. Hey, Jeff, you know, before we did the show today, you know, James was talking about potential MVP candidates we're discussing the show, and I said one guy we can't overlook yeah. is Brock Purdy, right? He's not going to necessarily was great. put up the Tua-like stats, but you wrote in your column, we have got to stop thinking about this guy as a good story because he is a legitimate stud NFL mm-hmm. quarterback. Yeah, that, that was the whole thing where the column was respect and guys who finally should be getting I that love as it. opposed to us wondering when it's going to fall apart for him. And Brock Purdy certainly leads that that category because when I watch him play now and knowing how people talked about him in this offseason, I mean, there was so much there's so much confidence in what he does now. There, there's, there's so much of a sense of he's still playing within himself, 
but he knows he can make the play. He knows he can make the plays he has to make when he's called upon. He can use his legs, he can use his arm, doesn't put them in bad positions, doesn't turn the ball over. And you're right, Steve. Quietly, mm-hmm. that's what gets you into the MVP conversation: being consistent and playing yeah. on high-profile teams that win a lot. So I totally agree with you that he should be in that conversation. I remember having a conversation with Kyle Juszczyk, who was telling me, like, listen, we, we he's a completely different guy, Jeff, when the lights come on for a game. He's like, he's the epitome of a gamer, just his savviness, his intelligence, his ability to be, just because of his mind, he's a step faster than you think he is when a game is actually happening on Sunday when he needs to buy some time. But to me, the thing that stands out to him, to me the most, is you can put things I'm told in late Saturday night. Hey, we're going to change this. I know we're working on this way, Kyle says to him all week. Now we're going to flip it, and we're going to do it Saturday night. He can make that. That doesn't bother him one bit. Is the stature, though, the physical stature of Brock Purdy affecting him? Because you're a man of much much uh, acclaim in your stature, Jeff. Is that affecting Brock Purdy in terms of this MVP (laughs) discussion? Because he's a G-Gallio shucks guy walking into the Uh, building. Well, you know what? You know, when I, when I do my MVP ratings uh, for, the, for the first read, it's what I've been blown away by in this first read, which is how hard it is to find people you really believe in, who you can make a case for. Mm. And two is running away yeah. with it right now. And I think Tyreek Hill should be in that conversation. And you could have made a case for Michael Parsons before this past weekend. But there's a lot of opportunity for someone like him in a season like this to step into that conversation because a lot of the guys who you, you know, you expect to be there, like like the Joe Burrows, like Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. and Josh Allen's. They're not taking off in the same way, and so we still have to have people to vote for and talk about. And he's going to play in enough big time games, and when he's playing in these games already, he looks the part. He looks like a guy who knows what yep. he's doing, who's having an impact beyond just being along for the ride. Yeah, and Jeff, you know, last Thursday yeah. night I was at their game against the Giants. I was with future Hall of Famer uh, wide receiver Steve Smith. And he said he the one thing he loves about Brock Purdy is he does not put his receivers in harm's way. Mm. And when that happens, your receivers, as we see in Debo, Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk and Kittle, they will reciprocate. Lastly, Jeff, in your column, and JP and I have been talking about this guy since the jump, Deshaun Watson has a real tough performance Monday night against the Steelers and bounces back against the Titans, has his best performance of the season. What about Deshaun, and is this finally the step we need him to, to see him take for us to get back believing in him again. Well, I was one of those people who thought that it would be interesting to see what this office would look like. And you don't want to see Nick Chubb go down for the season, but without him being a part of it and having more put on Deshaun's shoulders. And so I was really encouraged by what I saw. I know a lot of scouts I've talked to in the offseason talked about the pressure on him and how he's got to live up to that contract. But he felt like, to me, a quarterback who was trying to play his role in an offense that wasn't really designed for him. You know, he's a, a wide open mm-hmm. three, four wide receiver type guy, throw the football down the field, improvise. And sometimes it's hard to, to be what he was being asked to be when Chubb was healthy. And so I, I felt like he seemed more comfortable. He seemed more confident. Uh, he knew that he was going to have to make plays for this team to win. And, and he responded. I mean, it's still, you know, he had to keep saying he deserves a pass for all the time he missed, but he's still figuring out how to get back to the level he was at before all that stuff happened with him. Yeah, Jeff, they changed a lot from what they did in that back end of the season with him last year. And then this offseason has his his input big time into what they were going to do with him and Kevin Stefanski, putting him in the gun. Pretty much every snap is what Deshaun wants to do. And they're starting to listen to that a little bit because he feels so comfortable back there. What I'm curious about, Jeff, and, and we'll, we'll get finish this up real quickly, is do you think a performance like the one he had here, and then he strings together a few of those, to me, the confidence level might be the thing that changes, and then we start seeing the player yep. that we saw in the past. Do you see that? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Well, and, and be honest with you, the way their defense is playing right now, I'm sure mm. he recognizes that I don't have to do it all right now. You know, I've, I've got a great defense. Yes. I don't have to make all these phenomenal plays for us to win games. Take care of the football, move the team, get them in the end zone, let that D go to work. They can win a lot of games doing that. They will. And that's what we're going to talk about next, Jeff. We're going to have you on next Monday. Maybe we'll have you on Thursday. Maybe okay. talk about the first read at length because it's the topics <laughs> that I love the most in this show. I'm not going to lie. These are, this is my okay. favorite block. Good Coming stuff, up, Jeff. Miles Garrett as we close out the show. Jeff, see you, buddy. Enjoy Taylor Swift. Miles Garrett, three and a half sacks? 
Also a play that Steve and I have never seen before that isn't in the stat sheet. More Miles Garrett coming up on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve White with you. Steve, as we close this out, we talk a lot about Miles Garrett on this show because what did I say? What was my favorite offseason move in the entire NFL? That would be Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz going to be his that DC. That would be Schwartz. Jim Schwartz. That would it. be Jim Schwartz going and teaming up with Miles Garrett. Our thought was 20 sacks for Miles Garrett. He had three and a half. He's getting himself towards that number 20. But what I want to talk to you about is not the three and a half sacks. I want to talk to you about a play that was not in his stat line. And that is a delay of game penalty oh, Miles man. Garrett caused by going from each end of the defensive line. He lines up on one side. The Titans try to bring two players over to match up and help out their tackle. He, he runs over to the other side of the defensive line. The Titans shift both those players back to the other side. This goes back and forth three times to the point to what happens. The play clock runs out. Delay a game on the Titans because of Miles Garrett. Have you ever seen a play like that, Steve, in your life happen at the NFL level? Never, because typically it is, okay, an offensive player goes in motion, somebody follows him, the strong side of the line will shift over, something yep. like that. We saw this now on the defensive side. Miles Garrett, it's a viral video. It's fantastic. Starts out on the left, defensive left side. Two tight ends are there. He moves over to the right side because Zedarius Smith, the actual <laughs> defensive end, lines up on the left side. Both tight ends follow him to the right side. Then he's like, oh, this is how we're doing things? Let me go back to the left side. And they both go back. I've never seen anything like that. I don't know why the Titans just didn't strong-sided or, or do something like this, but it was a weird call. But it's because he's that disruptive. JP, you talked about last Thursday mm -hmm. how he's lining up over center. He's wrecking shop. Yep. He has four and a half sacks on the season, but he's freeing up everybody else because Jim Schwartz is moving him around like this. And now we're seeing all of these absolutely insane reactions because <laughs> he is great. To me, he is the leader in the house for defensive player of the year. Although TJ Watt right now might also have something to say about that. I think you're exactly right. And, you know, we talk about the three and a half sacks, talk about all the sacks. How about this defense as a whole? Essentially, they've given up one touchdown, Steve, in 34 drives. How about I that? I think that's a decent outing for Jim Schwartz as he starts his tenure as a defensive coordinator. Kevin Stavansky says teams try to stop Miles Garrett. What happens? He still wrecks the game. For Steve Weich, I'm James Palmer. This was the NFL Report on Monday. See you Thursday as we look at week four. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.